Well, once again, welcome everyone. My name is Ben. I am so glad that you're here. All of our guests, family and friends, and the folks who call Four Corners home. This is Melissa, and in fact, you are going to bring the message next Sunday. I am. Are you yeah. a little nervous? I am, a little bit. Yeah. Why are you nervous? I don't know. You're an old pro. Old pro. Okay, we'll go there. Let's just go pro. Okay, pro. You're a young pro. How's yeah, that? Very good. Melissa, it's Christmas. Before we welcome everybody, tell me your favorite Christmas memory as a child. Um, we lived in Texas growing up, um, the very southern tip of Texas in Brownsville, so there was never any snow. We went to Chicago to visit my grandmother. We came out of church on Christmas Eve, and it was snowing, and it was the first time I really ever saw it, and I thought it was just magical. I still really remember cool. that. It, like today. That's really cool. Well, one year, my family all got together, and they bought me a brand new car. No, that never happened. I'm hoping that that <laughs> so happens that beats in mine. two days. I'm hoping that happens <laughs> in two days. Hey, I don't know what your favorite memory is, but around here, one of our favorite times every year is this service. If you're our guest, a special welcome to you. When you sat down, you had to move some paper, and there was a piece of paper that looked like this. It's called a Connect card. If you're our guest, and if you'll put your name and home address on there, we'll send you some coupons for free Chick-fil-A food. Um, Chick-fil-A is one of the favorite meals we have around here. We call it Christian chicken. When you go to heaven, you're going to get a Chick-fil-A box lunch. It's the first <laughs> thing you're going to get. And so just as a way of saying thanks for being with us, if you'll give us your name and if we can read your home address, we'll send it to you. Nobody's going to call you bother you, show up at your door, but that's not all we have for our guests, right? What else do we have? Right. If you're a first-timer tonight, we would love to give you a Christmas gift. So we've got these cute bags. They look like this. They're at our info station right in the middle of the lobby. Um, so after the service, if you walk up, say, hey, I'm new here. We will have someone happy to give you guys a bag before you leave tonight. That's right. And on that Connect card as well, um, if you want to give us what's on your heart and mind, something to celebrate with you or something to pray with you about, we take prayer very seriously around here. And so if you'll write that out, we'll pray with you. Again, we're not going to bother you with stuff. There's a lot going on, right? There is. We have some folks right now that are not in this room. We have some kids over in our kids' area. Right. But where else do we have some people? We have 70 people in our overflow space and students. So yay. Thank you for being Woo. in there. Can we say um, hi to them? Everybody let's give say a hi to them. Applause. Ready? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes. Um, we've also got some seats out in the lobby, I believe, where we've got overflow in there as well. So really it's cool. a good night. So we're about to turn a new year, and we don't want to spend a lot of time making announcements, but tell me some of the most exciting things in your mind that are going on. Um, I think in 2018, the You, Me, and Us that you just heard Joseph um, speak so well about, um, I'm really excited about that. We're going to put some focus on relationships, especially marriage, um, through our groups. We're going to do it through a marriage conference. We're going to do it through another date night, which was awesome the last time we had it. And then you've got a terrific series called You, Me, and Us that's going to deal with a lot of the issues we all have in our relationships. And that starts in mid-January, January. and mm -hmm. then we have all the kinds of things. But right now, again, if you're our guest, you may not know this, but one of the biggest things our church does every year is we raise money at Christmas. And I wanted to just take a minute and share, share with you where that money is going. And there's some photos that are going to be scrolling as we're talking. But there's five big initiatives that our church is raising money for. And you should know that you're in a very generous church. So for the last seven years, we've built an orphanage and a church planting ministry in Kerala, India. And there are a bunch of young ladies that are being cared for by families in this church, and we built a campus there, and we're in the middle of adding a boys' dormitory. It was a part of our project last year. 
We're continuing it this year. And so our Christmas offering, part of what we're doing will go there. Where else is it going right. to go? We're also going into uh, Cuba. I think those pictures are up there too. This is our hope is that in seven years, we could say the same thing about Cuba um, and our generosity there as we've been able to see in India, um, building them <laughs> facilities, making, um, making it possible for them to care for the orphans and the widows because it is such a problem there. And then we have Seven Oaks Farm, Mi yes. Miniature Therapy Horses. They bring hope and joy all over our city. They partner with police departments. They go into schools. They work on anti-bullying, and they're one of our strategic partners. Who else are we helping? I'm really we, excited about this. Um, we also have the New Life Mission in Hamilton. Um, they are going to serve, did you say 35,000 me hot meals yeah, this year? Yeah, 35,000 hot meals this year is, is planned in our church. Again, a street strategic partner with them. Yeah. And if you give in our Christmas offering, that's where that money will go. Right, and then exciting. we're making some strategic initiatives around here. And we help people get professional Christian counseling as well. All that happens because of a generous church who at Christmas time sets aside a little bit of money to help bless people that don't have quite what we have. And so one less gift, a few less lattes, makes a dramatic difference in the lives of a bunch of people. Yes. And we're doing phenomenally well. When you give in the offering at the end of our service tonight, if you want to do that, if you're our guest, you don't have to. We'll certainly be glad to receive your gifts. But if you want to, that's where the biggest portion of the money given at this time of year goes. All right? Right. So anything else you wanted to say? Well, our goal is 100% participation for our Christmas offering, um, not just because we want to make sure we build it up bigger, but because as 2018 rolls out and you start to see God moving in all of these strategic areas that we're partnering with, we want you to know that you had a part in that, especially if you're a parent um, and you get your kids involved with it, you'll be able to say, look, look what God's doing with the money that we gave. So I think that's a big deal. It is a big deal. One more time, would you turn your eyes to the screen and let's be reminded for just a second about the you, me, and us strategic focus that we're doing starting in mid-January. Take a look. The odds are stacked against us. We all want a successful life, but odds are only three out of ten husbands think it's important to have a healthy marriage. Women dream of their wedding day, but odds are half of their fairy tale romances will end in divorce. Most parents believe they should be a spiritual influence on their children, but odds are, almost one-third of those parents claim to not even have a faith of their own. We all want friends, but odds are, 25% of us feel like we don't have anyone to confide in. So years ago, I uh, was growing up in Chicago. That's where I was born. I spent the first 11 years of my life. And every year, Christmas, like I'm sure all of you have done, my family would go Christmas shopping. So there are four children in the family I grew up in. I'm number two, and I have an older sister, a younger sister, and then a younger brother. And my younger brother, many of you know him, but my younger brother was very, very shy as a young man, as a, as a kid, painfully shy. If you looked at him when he was three or four years old, he might cry. And we were out shopping, and it was a little crowded in the stores, like they have been all around here lately. And my dad and mom were there, my brother was there. And when we would walk through a store, my brother had a little habit of kind of grabbing hold of the pocket on my dad's pants, and he'd just walk and follow him around that way. And so we're stopped at one of the end aisles, uh, looking at the display case there at the stuff. And my dad had just stepped around just a moment, and Greg, my brother, had let go. And a few minutes later, 
Greg reached up and grabbed hold of Dad's pocket again to just kind of continue on through the store, except he was a little confused. And when he looked up, what he saw was that the man whose pants he was holding was not my dad. And the way he discovered that is my dad and I had come around the other corner. We were just a couple feet away, and we looked at him, and he looked at us, and tears began to flow. Um, It was one of our favorite stories as a family. And every time we get together, we tell the story. Remember that time when Greg grabbed the pants of a guy who wasn't our dad? And you probably have family stories like that. And in the middle of that story, though, there is a bit of a profound, simple but profound truth that what you see, what you see impacts what you see. (laughs) What you see, how you see something, your perspective impacts how you engage it. A few months ago, I was on vacation, and we were a little busy, and we had stopped at a store before a restaurant to pick up a few things, and I was there with my immediate family and some of our extended family, and my brother-in-law and I I were walking uh, through the store, and and it was getting time to go, and and we're trying to get someplace there and, and go eat at the restaurant, and so my wife says, so gather everybody up, it's time to go. And so I'm just kind of got my head down looking for people. And, and, and I, I speak over to who, a guy who I think is my brother-in-law. And I said, hey, we're all out at the car. Why don't you go ahead and come and join us? And I, then I finally locked eyes on the guy and realized, you're not my brother-in-law. Right? But what I saw, what I thought I saw was impacting my engagement. I have a pastor friend that we share a lot of ideas together. And so a week or so ago, uh, I called him and I said, what are you going to preach on for like Christmas Eve Because if it's a really good idea, I'm going to do what you're going to do. And he said, he gave me his idea and I thought, no, mine's better. I'm going to stick with mine. But I said, I'm going to start with some kind of stories about this idea of what do you see? And he said, I got to tell you a story. The other day, the other day, this is what my friend said, the other day I was in the, in the store and, and we were buying some groceries and uh, my wife's at one end and I've got the car going around the other end and I lean up with her and I look down the aisle and he's a very discreet guy and it's just he and his wife in the aisle and so he just gave her a nice little pat on the, on the derriere, just, to, you know, I'm here, honey, boom, except it wasn't his wife. But what he saw, what he thought he saw was impacting what he did. All right, it wasn't my friend. That was me. That was me. That happened to me. What you see, what you see impacts what you see. What you think you see has an impact on the way you interpret things, how you engage things. And that's true for so many people in the Bible, and it's very true right at Christmas time. Right at Christmas time, we're given an opportunity to see things differently. And so at this Christmas season, a lot of us are driving around and we see lights and pretty paper and nice music on the radio, and there's joy, joy. And today we got some, you know, flurries in the, and it just feels awesome, and that's what we see. And so going into Christmas, for some of us, we are excited and we're thrilled and it just feels right. And you're even doing the kind of spiritual thing here tonight. But for others, what they're going through and what they're seeing right now is impacting their Christmas in a different way. If you go all the way back to the first Christmas, that same dynamic of different perspectives and how it impacts a person, well, that was very much alive and well back 2,000 years ago. I'm going to take you to a passage in the Bible, and you can follow along if you brought a Bible, or some people in our church use their phones. I also provided you some message notes. They look like this, and the passage we're going to look at is right there. If you want to grab that out, you can take a few notes. We gave you a pen. We do this every Sunday around here. We think that you come to church not to just be stirred, but to kind of change, to take a step, to learn and to grow. So I want to walk you through how what we see affects what we see, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. This is the passage that Linus 
read for us just a little uh, few moments ago in the Peanuts Christmas uh, special. But in Luke chapter 2, the writer writes these words beginning with verse number 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then here, here's where the point of the night begins to be more clear to us. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest. And peace to those, your version may say, on whom his favor rests. Peace. The first blank in your message notes is going to outline the point for us that we're going to tease out for the next few minutes. If you could see what heaven saw, you'd likely respond the way heaven responded. If you could have seen what heaven saw that night, you would have likely responded the way heaven responded. Now, in that little scene we read, there were a few players, there were shepherds, and they saw something profound. The skies lit up. There was heavenly hosts. There were angels. It was like a, a big choir proclaiming the greatest news that the world would have ever heard. That God sent his one and only son named Jesus to save the world. And they were overwhelmed. They were terrified. That's why they were told to them to not be afraid. Their perspective, going from being shepherds to looking up, changed things. Made a difference for them. That's what they saw. It impacted them so much that they got up because of what they saw and they followed the instructions. They made their way to find the baby, if you continue to read the passage. But I don't want us to think for tonight just about what the shepherds saw. We could. It's a valid point. I want you to think about what heaven saw that night. When heaven gathered and begins to speak about that event from heaven's perspective, I think it gives us special meaning. And I hope that tonight you'll pay extra attention to what heaven saw. Because if you do, I think if you see what heaven saw, it might impact what you see today. I don't know all that heaven saw, but I know this, that when the angels got a chance to speak and they got together as one voice, what they said was, glory to God. And that word glory, we don't use it a lot anymore. We kind of use it maybe at wartime when somebody is very, very brave and they bring a lot of glory and honor and respect to the people they serve with or to the cause they're fighting. But a good synonym term for the word glory is just kind of light. You know, uh, bright lights on this thing right here. Bright lights on God, all shining on God. So glory to God in the highest. This is like God's greatest movement, his greatest symphony, the greatest thing he's going to do. Glory to God, all light, all shine, all eyes on him. Glory to God in the highest. But it's the next phrase that I think gives us the why behind Christmas. The why behind Christmas. Glory to God in the highest, but on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. Uh, in, in heaven, God's shining bright. He's at the height. His love is on greatest display. But on earth, something profound is about to happen. 
And when we can see what heaven saw, that beautiful perspective of what was in the heart and the mind of God to bring peace to humanity, I think he can speak to us not just as a story or as a fable, but as something to gravitate to, as something to turn our eyes toward, no matter where else our eyes might be right now. That what heaven wanted us to know when it got a chance to speak about Christmas was that God was shining bright, and he was shining bright when he made a path for people to have peace. That it would be God's favor on us to have peace. Brings me to my second point there in your message notes. What we see at Christmas impacts how we see Christmas. And I've mentioned already, you're looking at lights, you're buying gifts, and I know very nice people who went into stores today and turned into very mean and grumbly people. And I have a family member who I love, and she's very funny, and she's like, I went in full of Christmas joy, and I got my cart, and within about five minutes, I wanted to play bumper cars with everybody around me, because what you see impacts how you feel and impacts everything. But tonight, for just a few minutes, we have an opportunity to fix our eyes on what heaven saw. And the New Testament tells us that in, verse, in, the, in the number three mark, if you want to kind of fill in the blank for number three. The New Testament tells us how heaven saw Christmas. I've already told it to you, but look at it again one more time. Verse 14 of chapter two. And suddenly there with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Peace with God, number four. Peace through Jesus is possible. And this is good news. This is the good news that the Lord was bringing to the earth. Now, when those angels said to those shepherds that God would be the one bringing peace, that God would be shining bright when he brought peace through Jesus to humanity, that word peace had special meaning to those shepherds. It hearkened all the way back to their ancient Hebrew roots. Now, we translate it peace in English, the Bible that we have was originally written in Greek, but the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom, shalom. And if you have some Jewish friends, it's still the word for peace. And at this time, you might hear the phrase from Jewish friends, happy Hanukkah or shalom, and it's peace. And that word peace is an all-encompassing term. It's a term that means this is what God offers. A relationship with God can bring is deep, lasting peace. And the rabbis of old and scholars today talk about that kind of peace, but you don't need a degree to understand it. Let me just explain it to you for just a minute. We talk about having peace like God originally went, meant for the world to have. Peace between humankind, between me and family, between you and your family, you and your neighbors, people you go to school with, people you work with, where the relationships are easy and they flow and we bring out the best in each other. Peace among people, peace in your marriage. That speaks to the shalom that is available through God, the peace of God, that God, when he's at work, it smooths out, it oils out the relationship issues. And that's a big deal in our church. That's why we're focusing so much on this you, me, and us thing, starting in January and telling you about it, hoping that you'll be a part of it. Because we believe that if God's involved in your relationships, in your parenting relationships, in your friendship relationships, it's like oil in the machinery. It just goes better. It's part of the favor of God, his goodness at work in our lives. He gives us the gift of relationships, and he knows that they're, they're complicated, people are messy, 
We're a messy church because we're full of people. And so God brings his favor and peace in the middle of that kind of chaos. And when that happens, you're experiencing the peace of God. And when it doesn't happen, you've probably been there. You know how awkward or painful it can be when peace is not present in relationships. But the shalom or the peace of God isn't just about relationships, no. The peace of God actually actually speaks to our place in this world, that human beings are at peace with one another, yes, that's the relationship, but they're also at peace in their place in the world. That you have a place that feels like home, that you belong, and that you fit and you contribute. You have a purpose in that place. So many people I know, and I've been through seasons where I felt like I was just kind of aimlessly engaging life. Life was happening to me more than I was living life. But God, the favor of God when it's present, doesn't just work on relationships with people. It helps individuals find their place. They get at peace with their place in the world. And sometimes that peace calls them into greatness, and they serve, and they make profound impact. And we're visibly aware of that impact. We call these folks heroes. And other times, there are quiet heroes all over the world that don't get recognition, but they're at peace serving in their place. I know of moms and dads who don't get world acclaim, but they're at peace because they found their purpose in serving and leading and honoring their home. And it's more than just something they enjoy doing. When they do it, it's as if the favor and the peace of God is upon them. And you can do this in part through your vocation, where you go to school, but God's heart for us in sending Jesus was that we would experience peace with one another and that we would find our purpose in this world. It's not an accident that you were born. God has a purpose for you. And as a church, we want to help people find their purpose. We want to help you start right now, finding your purpose in God. Because I don't think, for me at least, you can think about this. I don't think you can have deep, lasting peace without knowing part of why you're here. Maybe you've heard it said this way. I agree with it. The two most important days of your life, the day you were born, a wonderful day, And then the day you discover why you were born. Well, that process of coming to terms with why you're here, what did God bring you into this world for, that's a process of discovering the peace or the shalom of God. And when the angels said and the shepherds overheard that God's favor would result in peace with humanity, it included that relational peace. And it includes that peace that comes through finding your purpose. You've met met people who've had that. They've had rough circumstances, but they were at peace with themselves in their place. And when the rough stuff came, oh, it was hard. It was stressful, but it didn't rock the boat to an unhealthy level. They were still stable. The anchors held. But that's not all the ways that this word peace was meant that night. The most important way I believe that the word peace was meant that night was not that we would have peace with each other only or peace in the world you know, our place in the world, but that we could have peace with God. We would have peace with God. That's what makes this such good news that Jesus was born. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Well, what's the great joy? What's the anticipation? That we could have peace with each other, peace in our role and in our purpose, and peace with God. And when, when Christians get together and they throw out words like glory or Or maybe the word gospel, sometimes the meaning of those words are lost. But the word gospel simply means good news. 
And in this particular passage, when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the fact that Jesus himself was the good news. I want to give you just a handful of words to fill on your blank to kind of tell you the basic gospel story, the good news of what was going on behind the scenes. You've seen the manger. You've seen the lights. You, we're going to light candles here at the end of our service and all that's awesome. You see all these things, but behind it, there is a story, a good news story being written. We're going to use just a handful of words, and each word begins with a letter. And if you line them up all right, by the time we get done, it'll actually spell the word gospel. So let me walk you through these words, and they're underneath blank number four there for you. Here's the first word in trying to understand the story of the gospel. What makes this such good news? The first word is the word God. It's that God created us to be with him. That's what God wants. He wants a relationship. And when God is in a relationship with you and the favor of God flows, that's when the relationship stuff has a possibility of getting right. That's when the purpose stuff gets right. And it flows out of God's heart for us and of his love for us because he wanted us to have a relationship with him. But number two, our sins separate us from God. Now, I know at Christmas, we're not supposed to get into heavy subjects like sin, but you can't really understand the why of the Christmas story. It's just nostalgia if you don't understand the big thing God was doing that makes it so awesome. He wants this relationship with us, but sin has broken all the bonds of peace. Because of sin, there's now conflict between people. You know why you fight in your marriage? There's sin present. Most of the time, somebody's being selfish. In my marriage, it's always my wife. It's always her. It's amazing how often that happens. It's like it's always her. So y'all pray for me. We're looking for a better year, all right? What what is that? That's sin. She's selfish. I can be selfish. You put broken people together, and there's conflict. So sin breaks relationships. Sometimes we have a hard time finding our purpose. We're distracted by other things. Other things grip our attention. And so instead of walking towards the reason why we're here and why God has us here, we're distracted by other things. So God wants a relationship, but our sins hinder the peace, the favor, and the flow, the oil of God in our lives. And number three there on the blank, sin can't be removed by good deeds. So this is the counterintuitive part. This is why the Bible says that the good news about Jesus is a little hard to understand. That's what the Bible says, by the way, that the gospel is a little hard to understand because if sins separate us, then it would make perfect sense to just be good. Just be good. But the Bible makes it very clear that you and I will never be good enough to cover all the pain that sin does. That's not a statement of theology only. You you know how this works. If somebody deeply hurts you, they can be good for a while, but you remember that pain. It's, It's there. And on a profound level, the sins in our lives, they separate from God. And the Bible says that your own efforts to do good will never, ever restore you back to God. And this is the problem in a lot of churches. I'll be honest, we struggle against this. We have to remind ourselves often that being good, like coming to church for Christmas Eve Eve is awesome, but it doesn't win you brownie points with God. But please come back next year because it wins them with me. I like you more. But God doesn't love you more because you're here. If you don't come, you know, in January, we kick the, God won't love you less. 
Now, don't tell other people that because a lot of people come because they think God loves them and I need them here, right? But that's not the way it works. No amount of good works earns a relationship with God. It can't be done. If it, if it would, let me just ask you, how much good do you have to do? How much good do you have to do? And now we have, a, we have a challenge intellectually to work through. If it is about good, how much good? When have I done enough good? So the Bible says that God sent his one and only son to pay the price for sin. That's the P. So we're at G-O-S-P. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. So it's called the great exchange. That we can't be good enough. So God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to be a perfect representative and to give his life. And while we can't earn it, the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection secures a pathway for us to restore peace with God. So that brings us to the even. Everyone who trusts in him and trusts in him alone, not him in you, not him in your good works, trusting in the work Jesus has done, everybody who does that gets eternal life. It's equal opportunity life. God offers it through the person of Jesus. And all those who he calls, all the ones who God calls, has the opportunity to respond and begin to restore those bonds of peace between one another and their place in the world and, and with God. And that brings us to the L in gospel. Life with Jesus starts now, but it lasts forever. It's one of the few things that you can start on this earth and take with you into eternity. You can't take much, but you can take a relationship with God beginning here on this earth while you're still breathing and take it into eternity with you because it will last forever. This is what heaven was rejoicing about. It wasn't just that there would be some little tweaks in our life. It would be, no, that God would bring peace between people. And I bet you, I bet you, I bet you some of you in the room right now going to Christmas would love to have a little more peace between you and somebody you love. I bet you. I bet you there's a bunch of us in this room. Do you understand that God wants that too? It can be hard, but if you'll open yourself up to him, he'll begin to work in you. And I've seen him do dramatic work in people where there was deep brokenness. When God's favor would come on them and peace would begin to get restored. I've seen marriages healed. I've seen bitterness washed away. It's part of the peace of God and the good news of Christmas. I bet you some of you, you're not 100% sure why you're here and life feels like it's driving you and you're not really driving life. And you don't have a profound sense of purpose that gets you up in the morning. You understand that part of the good news of Jesus is, is God wants to offer that. But the primary thing he was doing was making sure that every human being that ever lived would know this without a shadow of a doubt, that their heavenly father loves them and would go to great lengths to establish a relationship with them. So he, again, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die and to give his life, knowing that we couldn't be good enough, but he could. And if we'll trust the work that he did on our behalf, it would open a portal for us to have that relationship and the shalom of God to come into our lives. Do you need some of that peace that when heaven had a chance to start talking, it's what they went to? When heaven thought, what can we celebrate about what God's going to do? They went straight to the peace of God that's available through a relationship with God, through his son, Jesus. Number five on your message notes, 
One more time, I'm going to say it. If you could see what heaven saw, I think you'd be likely to respond the way heaven responded. If you could see what heaven saw. So we've only talked about it for a few minutes, but I'm hoping that now you have a more profound and clear picture of what heaven saw. A God on bright display at the height of his glory, loving humanity through sending his son Jesus, and Jesus coming and bringing peace to the people that God loved. That's the why of Christmas. That's what was going on from heaven's perspective. And out of all that they could talk about, when they had a chance to speak together in one unified voice, they said, glory to God, shine bright, God, and bring peace to your people. I want to give us a chance right now to pray together. I don't know where you're coming from. It could be that everything's great for you. Most of us are in a bit of a mixed bag. Got some good, got some not so good. But I have found that when people pray and they surrender to God, things begin to move. And I want to pray and give you a chance right now to make peace with God. To, to ask God to help you make peace with maybe somebody else. If you came in burdened about a relationship, when we pray, just want pray about that. Use your words. You can borrow some of mine. God, I got this thing. You can just quietly there in your seat and say, God, would you maybe bring a bit of a Christmas miracle and begin to oil that frozen up relationship. Free it up. Let it move again. Or, or maybe... Maybe like next year starting and you're like, really, one more year? And what's the purpose? Maybe you could pray about God giving you a sense of peace and confidence in your role and your place in this world. Or perhaps you need to make peace with God. Maybe you've been trying to do it through good works and you realize that's not working because you really can't be good enough. And your best efforts, if they're like mine at all, they only go so far. But you can't put your trust in Jesus and the work that he did. So I'm going to bow. I'm going to ask you to bow with me right now. And let's pray and do a little work with God. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for sending your one and only son, Jesus, on Christmas morning. Christmas has meant so much to us over the years as individuals. And how we see it impacts how we experience it and what we feel about it and its value and worth to us. But I'm praying that right now, Lord, you would let us see spiritually what heaven meant when they declared that God was on bright display and that peace was coming to humanity. God, would you roll back any distractions and let us see what you were doing, loving us through the, the gift of your son. I want to pray for the folks in this room and in our overflow areas, God, over in the student wing and in the lobby, that we would make movement towards having peace, that your spirit would work by grace in our life. I lift up relationships in this room, God. I pray that there would be phone calls that would be unexpected and pleasant. There'd be notes sent and Christmas meals would go well and you'd heal some hearts. God, I pray for those men and women that are gathered and are listening and they, they don't have that sense of purpose and they haven't fully discovered what all you want to do and accomplish through their life, God. Help them to find through you, their place and their peace with it. But most of all, God, I pray for those in this room that do not yet have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. That tonight would be the night that we'd really grab hold of what Christmas was all about and we would trust the greatest gift this world has ever known, 
the gift of a perfect Savior who gave his life on a cross, was resurrected from an empty tomb. And we trust in that alone to secure our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We give this time to you, God. Do all the work you want to do in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, around here, again, we don't think that you come to church just to be stirred. So we take next bold steps. That's what we call them. And on your Connect card, if you filled it out earlier, you can pull that back out. All the regular attenders who call this church home, they're pulling theirs out right now. And there are five options. And one of them, we already kind of walked through. It's next step A. It says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. And if you prayed that prayer with me earlier and kind of took that step internally, I'd ask you to take that pen we provided and check next step A. In a couple of moments, our offering buckets are going to come around and you just put your card in there and that's how we collect them. And I'll send you a little bit of information on email, if I can read your email, about what it means to be in a relationship with God. Or perhaps next step B, uh, our church this year baptized 69 adults in this room. It's been a great, great year for us. But if you have questions about baptism or perhaps would like to get baptized, you can check the box and that starts a conversation. Now the next three are kind of specific to the season we're in. You can look on your screen and see if one of them resonate with you. And if so, just check it, all right? So next step C says, hey, pray for me to fully grasp the peace God offers me through Jesus. So if I was talking about this and it sounds attractive, but it didn't settle all the way, check that box. Let us pray for you. We're not gonna hound you. Or, or maybe it did settle and you just know that you have a, more to walk, you have a little further to go to fully explore it. Let's pray about that. And maybe, maybe you could close this year in some prayer, some people praying with you. Maybe it'll help start 2018 a little better. Next step D says, my relationship with God's gonna get more priority attention in 2018. I don't know where you are. We don't do guilt around here. But if that resonates with you, would you just check it? And in your email in the next few days, you're gonna get a little note from us that says, here's some things you could do. We're not going to follow up. We're not going to beat you up over it. But if you, if you need more room in your spiritual life than you've had, check this box as a way of taking a step forward tonight. And the next step, E says, hey, go ahead and send me some of that information about that focus thing you were talking about. Focused intensity over time builds momentum. You, me, and us. If you'll do that, I'll send you that information. It's the primary way we communicate. The reason there are some folks getting up, this is that time in our service when our church makes an investment into the ministries God's doing here. If you're our guest, you don't have to participate. But if you do, and you want to write on a check or on that envelope, Christmas gift, those areas that we said we were going to help, the orphans in India and in Cuba, feeding people in Hamilton and North Cincinnati and investing in people here and in Seven Oaks Farm and their work that they do. If you want to write that down, you can be a part of that. We'd love for you to be a part of that with us. Some of you are looking for a way, this is full, you know, tax benefits and giving, all that. But really for us, it's not about that. It's about our hearts. And we think that if Jesus is a great gift, we want to give a great gift. And Christmas, after all, is a birthday celebration. And so we're bringing gifts. We're going to pray about the next steps we've taken and our offering. You'll just put your gifts and your connect cards in that bucket. They'll collect them. And then we're going to sing some more songs together and light candles. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for your generosity. Four Corners Church, you're killing it. You're killing it. I am blown away. So this is a little insider talk. If you're our guest, give me 30 seconds. 
So our goal for our Christmas offering is $80,000. And usually, by this time, we might be a third of the way done. But this week, we've already, up to this week, we've collected $53,000 to help children around the world. And yeah, that's right. So you can give it up. So we're inching in. Who knows? We might wipe it out tonight. Be there. Be done. It's going to make a profound difference. Let me pray and ask God to bless the work that he's doing. Father, once again, thank you for every next step taken. Thank you for every person tonight that said they wanted Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. They're going to trust in him alone. God, I pray that as we round out this year, we would make the commitments we need to make so that next year goes better because you're more at the center of next year. God, would you bless our offering tonight? Let it go far and wide to help people in Kerala, in Cuba, in Hamilton, all over our city, in our church. Thank you for the joy of being able to give back to the work you're doing. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, God's strong and mighty son. Amen and amen.